good. The devil is bad. All the time. He's a liar, a thief, a cheat, a murderer, and he hates you. But God loves you. Beyond our wildest dreams, expectations, and understanding. Did you know that? God loves you. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're here in this room with me standing here tonight or sitting there, or whether you're out watching on YouTube or live stream or whatever media may be available at the time. We thank you that there is no distance in God. Thank you that there is no limit of time within our understanding with God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you again for this time together, and we thank you that as your word goes forth, that it will accomplish that which you set it forth to do, that I would be your spokesman, that I would be just expressing your words through my lips, that the lives will be changed, hearts will be open to receive, quickened in Jesus' name. Let the word be an encouragement. Edifying. God's word is truth, right? Right? We believe it? So you're believers. Right. So then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word then ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So I'm going to speak some truth tonight, and I'm believing the truth is going to make you free. And I want to be clear when I say this, I didn't make this up. I want you to check the word to see if these be so, that it's not John speaking this. John has been um, prompted to bring forth this. One thing we know in this current time and, and uh, date is that there, I don't think, has ever been a time where there has been such controversy and such division and such conflict among people. In the church and out, among families, there seems to be no limit. It's crossed just about every border that I know of. Race, color, creed, religion, house color, skin color, type of car, doesn't matter. If there's three people, there's at least four opinions. You make one decision and there's automatic division. Challenging, tempestuous times. But you know what? We have the opportunity to live victoriously in these perilous times. I still think of that song that Pastor Carlo and the, and the band recorded, you know, Victoria's Living in Perilous Times. If ever there was a time that the church needs to stand 
as an example, it's now. Without a doubt, without question. And make no mistake, take no condemnation to anything that I'm about to speak tonight, because it is not intended to condemn. It is intended to enlighten, encourage, and to bring truth and freedom. But I say that kind of as a caveat at the beginning, because some of this truth (laughs) is hard. (laughs) Also know this, that it is not contingent on your state of relationship with him. He loves you, period. He will not love you any less tomorrow, no matter what you do. And he'll not love you anymore. You've heard me say that before. And I say it often because it resonates so deeply within me because I am a doer. And I think that I have to do in order to earn or receive. I do not. It does not affect what Jesus did. Jesus paid the price. The Father sent his Son for us. Make no mistake. So we believe it's possible to live victoriously in perilous times. Amen? I could stop there, right? But I got more. Lots more. No matter what happens, you know, we do things in the run of a day that aren't always ideal. Can I say that? I'm not the only one, I think. I, I, I'll speak for myself and just, you know, thank God for, for you blessed, righteous folks out there that never make mistakes. I am not one. I am blessed and I am righteous, but not by my own doing. <laughs> it is his blood. He has made the way for me. But no matter what happens, each day we have the opportunity to have a clean slate. His mercy is new every morning. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Thank you. Lamentations 3, 21. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. That's the one that's kind of my... My version of preference these days. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Well, that ought to make you happy. So in this day of controversy, we'll say, we have opportunities abounding to be offended, take offense, or to offend, right? None of those are great options, by the way. So we need to be careful to pick our battles wisely. And I say that this way. Is this the one that God has called you to fight? Sometimes the word do not go 
comes directly from God. He simply says, no, don't. Sometimes he'll say it in a different way. And, and, and there's an example of this with, uh, with King David. So in, let's go to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5. And the Philistines came up, again, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 22. I think I neglected to say the verse. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them. And come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And I think this is the King James Version. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going on the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bearest thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. So who's going to do the battle there? The Lord. And David did so, as the Lord had commanded and smote the Philistines from Geba until it came to Gaza. Or Gazer. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, so in that, in that first reading in Samuel, God says, don't go straight after them. Compass around. In other words, circle around and come back in behind them. I'm going to go ahead of you. That's a key point to remember. But in 1 Samuel chapter 30, in verse 8, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. The key here is to make sure that we're hearing and inquiring of the Lord. And I started that in context of a battle. We know that because of the many discussions going on around the world, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in a bu on the bus, in a train station, in a shopping mall, a family dinner table, there's probably a discussion going on about some of the stuff happening in the world. And sometimes we're in a place where there's others that may or may not be believers around us. How we conduct ourselves in these discussions can be crucial. So just because we can do something, like in the case of the first example in Samuel, David could have chased after them. God said, don't. I'm going to go before you. So just because we can doesn't mean we should. And just because it seems right in the natural and the doors of opportunity has opened does not mean we should take advantage of it. We were talking uh, a couple of brothers and among them pastors the other day, you know, I've had plenty of opportunities to hear the voice of the Lord and, you know, sing, sing good... <laughs> Things seemed good in the natural, but were wrong. Wrong choices. 
bad decisions. Now, God is faithful. He's always managed to pick us up and pull us out. But it would have been a whole lot less heartache, stress, and bother if I'd only listened the first time. Before David was king, and after he was anointed king, do you remember that he was relentlessly, relentlessly pursued by Saul? We don't have time to go into all those scriptures right now. But on at least one, uh, there's a couple of occasions, but one in particular that I, I can recall here in 1 Samuel 24, Saul was handed to David, and he could have slayed him in a cave. And David refused. Um, well, he didn't actually refuse. He felt guilty for, for even cutting the corner of his clothes or his garment. So in the natural, David had the opportunity to slay his pursuer, to overcome his enemy. But he couldn't do it because he knew that Saul was anointed to be king. Again, that's 1 Samuel 24. If you want to go there, we're not going to turn there now. It's important to know, and again, I'm kind of, you know, I'm already preaching to the converted here. Like, you know, everybody, everybody knows this, but sometimes we need to be reminded. And I say, one finger out, three fingers back. You know, it's coming to me too. I need to be reminded. Whatever we do, we need to trust God. We need to have faith in God. We need to have faith that he will speak to us, that he will lead us. Now, he won't necessarily always speak to us in that audible voice. Sometimes it's that inner witness, that still small voice. Sometimes you hear it boldly and, and plainly without mistake. Sometimes it's a quiet little voice. Sometimes it's the voice of your spouse or family member. What we really need these days is discernment. We need the Lord. See, and he's in us. It is a spiritual gift that he has given us. His Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. So he will lead us, guide us, and show us what is right or wrong if we get ourselves out of the way. I'm thinking of a story like sometimes, you know, um, God will use natural vessels. We can think of the, of the story of, uh, of uh, Balaam and the donkey. You know, the donkey actually spoke. So one could say that, you know, God even used an ass to speak. Joanne and I were talking about this prior to service. I said, you'll probably hear that a little bit later. But sometimes, you know, in, in our present um, setting, we've heard a lot about flooding lately, flooding in the natural, right? Where it's fl major floods in BC. There's been major floods right here in our own province, right? And so many things happen, so much destruction, so much loss, so much heartache and grief. And... You've seen the, the film clips if you've watched the news at all, or you've seen the, the feeds on the social media, or you, you've seen the clips on the, on the uh, uh, newspaper. 
You know, the photos of people being rescued by pickup trucks, you know, with the, with the big 60-inch wheels or 30-inch wheels or canoes or boats. Well, sometimes those people were rescued by people in the natural just being good. Whether they were using the back of their truck, whether they were using the, the, the um, boats, and, and people and animals were saved. So sometimes God can save you using a natural means. So don't dismiss it because it's natural. Just because it didn't seem to come from above. How do you think they got to you? How do they think they, they found you? At that time, at that moment, before you were treading water and being carried away by the, by the river or the stream. And there's lots of river streams and currents going on, and there's undercurrents and undertoes too. We have to be watching. So I've said all that as a kind of a precursor to what's coming next. What is the greatest commandment? To love one another. Where do we find that? Does anybody know? Matthew 22. We'll, we'll go there. There's probably more than once. But we're going to go with Matthew 22, verse 36. And on. So many people using electronics these days, you don't always hear the pages turn anymore. <laughs> Myself included. I got... Multiple devices, pages, and I'm still not following my notes. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So how do you love one another? What was the example that Jesus used? Let's go to John 15, verse 13. And again, I'm not going to apologize for the volume of scripture that I'm using tonight because I think it's important to note that this is scripture and not John. Although in this case it is John, it's the book of John, but but not this John. <laughs> A little humor, yeah, little tiny bit. <laughs> John John fifteen thirteen. There is no greater love to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So we've just learned, of course, that the greatest commandment is to love God first, right? But to love your neighbor as yourself. Interesting, eh? And that there's no greater love than to lay one's life down. So what does that mean, to lay one's life down? Well, let's look at who wrote that. What did he do? He died. That's laying down one's life. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. And the father gave his only son. 
another ultimate sacrifice. I have two sons. I love them both greatly. I cannot even begin to imagine that. So, to lay one's life down. So if, one, if to die for somebody is, is uh, you know, an example of it, there must be some examples that are not quite so radical, extreme. <laughs> um, let's look at it this way. In Romans 12.10, Paul tells us to prefer one another. So what does that mean? So let's have a look. Romans 12.10. And I'm going to read this in two different versions. The first one being uh, New Living, and then I'm going to read it in the classic Amplified. You know, I, I, um, I enjoy having the different versions uh, available. It's, it's interesting sometimes just to read the different translations. Some of them are virtually identical, and some of them shed some light in a different way. You have to be careful sometimes that it's not taking liberty with the word too, So, um, because there are sometimes translations and sometimes, um, what's the, the uh, uh, paraphrasing? Which is somebody else's interpretation of what the word is saying, right? So uh, Romans 12.10 in New Living, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So again, we're talking here to the Roman church, right? This is a letter to the Romans from Paul. Honor each other. All right, so let's read that in a, in a different version. So you probably won't have this unless you're using one of the online versions. But this, this one is called the Amplified Classic. And I don't know what makes it classic versus the other one. I just, that's what it says. It says, love one another with brotherly affections as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Showing honor to one another. We live in a society where honor and respect are largely dying arts. To, to even see people extending courtesy is an abnormal occurrence, right? But to actually honor someone, in other words, you know, as a simple illustration, but how things have changed. When I was growing up and I was a young man, it was told to me that if I arrived at a door before a lady, that I would hold open that door for the lady. Not because the lady was weak and not able to pull the door open. It was as a sign of respect, saying, let me hold the door that you may go in freely. Things have got so twisted and distorted over the years that that is almost an insult now to do so. To call somebody by their, in, I spent a lot of time in, in military and paramilitary organizations. We didn't have first names. We had ranks. So you were a corporal, sergeant, captain, sir, ma'am. And then that would follow, you know, usually it would be, you know, Lieutenant Lyons, Corporal Lyons, Sergeant Lyons. I went through a lot of them, right? But, but 
that was, my name wasn't in the military. I had a number and I had a rank. And yes, my initial or name showed up somewhere. But there was a sign of respect that was paid to the rank that we wore. Pastor Paul is, yes, his name is Paul Wilson. But because he walks in the office of the pastor, as does Pastor Gary and Pastor Nancy and Pastor Shirley, their first name is Pastor. Pastor Paul, Pastor Shirley, Pastor Gary. It's a sign of honor and respect to them, but also to the office they represent. You know, when the military, you know, when you're dealing with an officer, right? You would salute, they would say something, you say, yes, sir, thank you, sir, absolutely, sir. Not a problem, sir, right? Sir being short for officer, originally. And then, of course, then it became sir and ma'am, because it really started to get freaky when you would say, yes, sir, to a lady officer. And technically, if it followed the history of the, of the ranks, you probably didn't know this, and I'm way off my notes, but it just seems to be one of those things that's coming out, so I'm going to go with it, that the rank was representative of the commissioner, the one who commissioned the rank. So it was a queen's commission or the king's commission. So you were paying honor and respect to the commissioner, not the actual person that was commissioned. Throw that in for nothing. So as a general culture, we have lost the idea of esteeming one another. Well, what does esteem mean? Again, honor, respect, pay tribute to, be obedient to. You know, I never had the option in the military when I was told to do something. (laughs) No was not an option. I don't want to. (laughs) wasn't a phrase you wanted to utter because you would pay for that. Things have changed a little bit, but there is still a command structure even in the military. You know we are referred to as the army of the Lord, right? Okay, just throw that in there. Give a little bit of a, uh, an anchor to, to some, of my, some of my thoughts. So we need to esteem one another highly. Philippians 2, verse 3. This one is um, the Living Bible. Don't be selfish. Can I say that again? Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you speak nothing of yourself or think nothing of yourself, because we ought not to think of ourselves less than we are. But we are children of the Most High God. But that doesn't mean that I can't esteem Pastor Paul greater than myself. If I see he has a need or needs a hand, guess what I'm going to do? Offer and help. In the message version, it says this. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, 
If being in the community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Hey, I wish I could take credit for writing that. I didn't, right? I just read it. It is out of the message version. I know it's a paraphrase, but it does speak very closely to what was in the other version. So another way of saying it is put the needs of others, put the needs of others ahead of yourself. Let's, uh, let's prove this out in Scripture too, because again, I don't want anything to be misunderstood here. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 First Thessalonians 5.13. Thank you, Lord. Why do I write so many notes? <laughs> oh, God is good. First Thessalonians 5.13. And I'm going to read in the Young's Literal Translation. Okay, so this is about as close as to the original Greek as you can get without reading it in Greek. And I don't speak very good Greek. No, let me rephrase that. I don't speak Greek. <laughs> I can barely read it. So, first listen. Come on, tongue. First Thessalonians 5:13. Nothing in rivalry or vain glory. But in humility of mind, one another, counting more excellent than yourselves. Okay, let's try and read a more contemporary version of that. Shall we kind of unpack that one a little bit? Oh, hey, you ready for this? Buckle up. In the message. We have the message, don't we? Okay. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. When was the last time you did that? Get along among yourselves. Wait a minute. That's not even with the leaders. Let's get along with yourselves. So in other words, sheep, play nice. Brothers, sisters, love one another. Each of you doing your part. Whose part? Whose part? Your part. Each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on, gently encourage the stragglers, and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person. Patient with each person. Patient with each person. Attentive to individual needs. You know, as a manager, I get to deal with all kinds of different people over the years. I have dealt with people, and, and people often need encouragement. You know, some people need a stroke and a pat. 
You know, appreciate what you're doing so much. Thank you so much. And, and it has to be done so that it is sincere and not just throw away, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, platitudes, whatever. You know, show me the money. You know, but some people just like to know that you acknowledge what they do. You know, somebody worked extra hard or stayed extra late. Others need to, I use it like it this way, to say it this way. Sometimes they need a stroke. Sometimes they need a kick. <laughs> sometimes you have to get their butt moving because they just, they need to be stirred. They need to be provoked. So be attentive to individual needs. That means listening to the spirit. Is this person a stroker or a kicker? Right? And you better have the two right. Because if you kick a stroker, you're going you're gonna to hurt somebody's feelings and you're probably going to lose them. And if you stroke a kicker, nothing's going to work. You're going to get frustrated, agitated, and the previous line about patience is going to be tricky. <laughs> be careful. That when you get on each other's nerves, notice, notice it says here, when you get on each other's nerves, not if. <laughs> when? I don't want to be on anybody's nerves, but ultimately it's going to happen. You know why? Because we're flesh and blood. We're people. And we have attitudes, we have emotions, and we have nerves. And sometimes they get raw. When you're stressed, when you're pressured, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're frustrated, when you're sleepy. Be careful that you don't get on each other's nerves. You don't want to snap at each other. So before we engage our lips, we need to engage our thought. Make sure you know what you're doing. Don't just react. Look for the best in each other and always, I love this part, and always do your best to bring it out. I remember Pastor Gary saying, you know, that, that, that there, there are people that inside them, there are diamonds, but there are times when they look like coal. You just have to work through the process while that coal is being pressed into the diamonds. There's gold in each and every one of us. But, you know, just in the natural, like in the natural, when you're actually mining gold, you've got to sift through a pile of dust and dirt and rock and sediment to get to that gold. And there's a whole lot of the other stuff. Have you ever watched them panning for gold? You know, how much stuff there is that's no good, that's not gold? Right? Just to get, you know, the ounces of gold. Well, why do you think gold is so expensive? So there is gold in you. That's the reason why a price was paid for you. It's for the gold that's in you, each and every one of us. The trick, well, it's not a trick. The, 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 the important thing is for us to go mining for that gold. And allow others, <laughs> allow others to mine that gold in us. So that means we need to get along. We need to play nice. 
We need to be nice. You know, often I've seen it. I think I, Pastor Gary had posted something on Facebook, and I think I even shared it. I don't share on Facebook very often, and there's a very good reason for that. Um, but every now and then, there's something that, that, that really means something to me. And it talked about being nice and being kind to people, especially this time of year. Right? If ever there was a time for us to shine, it's now. Now. It's the Christmas season. Let Christ in us be seen, just like the trees and the lights. Let Christ in us be seen. I digressed. Sorry. So, there is no problem that cannot be worked through without when there is love. Through love, we can sort anything out. Why? Because God is love. And if we turn to God and we allow his love to flow through us and to each other, everything can be discussed. It does not matter if we initially disagree. It can be worked through. Attitudes of love, gratitude, and forgiveness will help guide our responses if we give them place in our life. You know, you, you, can, you can react or you can respond. There is a difference. We need to pray for those that despitefully use you. Now, somewhere in these notes, which I'm so far off of now, um, I've got written down the fact that everybody has an opinion. And make no mistake, you are entitled to your opinion just as well as I am entitled to mine. I am not entitled to enforce my opinion on you. Neither are you entitled to enforce your opinion on me. And you know what else I can't do? I can't, well, okay, I shouldn't. As a Christian, I can't. As a human, I can, usually do and shouldn't judge you for your opinion. And if you're sitting in this room or within the sound of my voice, (laughs) you shouldn't judge me for mine. Ultimately, who do we serve? And to whom should we look for leading and guidance and direction? Now, we have, because God set it up this way, humans all around us. Some of them are put there for no other purpose than to knock the rocket rough edges off of us. Some are there to encourage us. So some are the strokers <laughs> and some are the kickers. And depending on the day, we might run into both. But we need to be so sensitive to the Spirit that we respond as opposed to react. And with love, you know, if everything is done with the Spirit of love instead of pride or conceit, because again, we're going back to some of the stuff I said earlier. What are we supposed to be doing? Honoring one another, esteeming one another higher than ourselves. In other words, we value you as a human 
and we want you to succeed and be happy. Now, you know, every mile of road has two miles of ditch, right? So it is really easy to take this one, one way or the other. So we want to be very mindful. To whom do we listen? I encourage you, seek the Lord, especially in these days. Don't forsake the assembling together one another. I know there's stuff that's going on. I know some people can't get here. And thank God that we have the technology that allows us to, to be in different places all at the same time and at different times in different locations. It does not matter. God is timeless. He is not limited by distance or time. His timing is perfect. So you will hear this and see this whenever you need to hear and see this. If you're here right now, well, this is your time. Matthew 7, 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. Again, I don't usually read the message this much, but it, it really it jumped out at me this time around. It says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. The critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you? when your own face is distorted with contempt. It's the whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Stay in your lane. Do your thing. Do your part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Like I said, you're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to enforce it. You know, we got plenty of, I said this before, we got plenty of opportunities to disagree. You know, right now, if there's, if there's 10 people here, there could be 15, 15 different opinions because it depends on who you talk to and when and in what order. But what does the Word say? What does the Spirit say to you for now? What do your pastors say to you for now? Do you acknowledge the office of the pastor? I do. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Pastor Nancy. Thank you, Pastor Shirley. You are God's gift to me in this place. I submit myself to you. Ah, there's a word. Submit. That's in here somewhere too. Submit. We talk about esteem and honor. <laughs> Submit. That's almost a dirty word. But no, that is the example which we are to set. Whatever we do, wherever we are, whatever realm we're working in within the sphere of our influence. And it doesn't matter whether you're retired, semi-retired. It doesn't matter if you're working part-time, full-time. It doesn't matter if you're in construction or whether you're teaching. It doesn't matter if you're a musician, whether you're an artist. It does not matter what you do. Do what you do as to the Lord. And let me take that one step further. Every decision you make Make as unto the Lord. Every decision 
as unto the Lord. So we probably would behoove us to ask which way we should go. Lord, should I pursue or not? He might say, pursue, overtake, recover all. Hang back. Let me work this one out for you. Yeah, it's a battle. Not your battle. Didn't we just read that a few minutes ago? Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly, new, new living. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. That was the King James Version. Message. Here's another one. Again, I didn't realize how many of the message quotes I'd, I'd uh, pulled out. Servants. Who? Servants. We talked about the army. Talk about servants. Are we, are we servants of Christ? Are we servants of the Lord? Are we servants of God? Yes? No? Well, if you are, this applies to you. If you're not, you can ignore this. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. Uh-oh. Who? Earthly masters. Who might that be? I'll let that simmer for a minute. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of, Je being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. So just because you're a Christian doesn't give you an excuse to do shoddy or poor work. And it doesn't give you an, a, 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 an excuse for breaking the law or being disobedient. Okay, here's a tough one. I know this is where literal rubber meets the road. If the speed limit is 80 kilometers an hour and you drive 95, that's more than... Okay, let me use a different example because my math sucks in my head now. <laughs> Let's say it's 100 kilometers an hour. That's the speed limit. And you're driving 116 kilometers an hour. 115 is 15% more, right? So some would say, you know, it's, it's the speed limit plus HST. Well, you know, that's, refer, that's, that's referring to an actual law that's referred to as prima facie, which, which gives the municipal authorities a wiggle room. It gives them the ability to actually waive the law within a factor of 15%, right? That in itself is not permission to violate the posted speed limit. It gives them the option to decide whether or not they're going to ticket you or not. So the law says 100 kilometers an hour maximum. Driving 120 kilometers an hour means you're violating the law. You're violating the law of the land. 
And there are stewards of the law of the land called police. And they are called and appointed and chosen to enforce said law. You know, it's a simple illustration. And I don't want to beat anybody up, right? Like, it's not my purpose to to apply guilt. It's just a simple illustration just to note that everything that is around us is for a purpose. I used to be in the insurance business, and I used to do what was referred to as as risk mitigation or loss control. So in other words, we were trying to stop claims from happening so the insurance companies wouldn't have to pay out claims. And so a lot of what we did was based on current codes. Now, I'm going to touch on a couple of things that that just, just again, proved the point. And I, I know i got to watch my time here. Most houses have a deadbolt at the front door, right? And it has a thumb latch on the inside. Same with commercial buildings. A lot of these doors have the, have the little the thumb latch that you turn. Houses that didn't have them were suggested that they get them. Why? As additional security, just to stop the honest thieves from breaking in. Okay? What was prohibited was what's called a double-key deadbolt. That's the one with a key on the inside and on the outside. And do you know why it became prohibited by law? As part of the code, which is a law, right? Because people would die in a case of a fire standing at the locked door or at the front door trying to get out. Where did most people used to put the key on those double-key locks? Right up here, right up at the top of the corner of the, of the door. And the reason they had the double-keyed lock is so that they couldn't break the window and reach around and click the thumb, right? But the key is up here. You barely reach it, depending on how tall you are, right? What is the one thing you're not supposed to do in the case of a fire? Be up. You're supposed to get down, Right? So people would die from smoke asphyxiation at the door trying to get out a locked door because where does smoke go? Up. What do you have to do to reach the key? Go up, right? That's why the law was changed. For whose benefit? Well, in that case, it wasn't the insurance company because unless they were writing life insurance, it didn't matter if you died or not. They're still on the hook for the property. The property still burned. It was on fire. That's what caused... But smoke detectors save lives. Why do there have to be smoke detectors? Used to be if you had a smoke detector in the house, you were good, right? Now, yeah, then it went to having a smoke detector on every level of the house. Now it's have to be a smoke detector in every bedroom. Why? To save lives. So not everything that's put in place in our society is designed as an infringement of our rights and freedoms. Okay, there's a term we've heard so much, and I'm trying not to preach what's going on, but we've just talked about honoring one another, right? We have leaders, we have government officials that are in place, appointed by God, and I got scriptures for all this. I got another seven pages of notes, and I'm not even going to get anywhere close to, right? We have government elected officials. Do you know what their mandate is? 
to keep the people safe. Whether we like it or not, whether we voted them or not, whether we elected them or not, whether they're red, blue, green, or orange, if they're in power, they were put in power by God. The word says so. So what are we doing? We have a right to our opinions. We have a right to our views. But that doesn't change that we are citizens of a country right, where there is a government. Now, we could live in a country where there's a dictator. And guess what? That's like military. You do what you're told or you die. We don't live in a dictatorship, at least not yet. Sometimes it seems like we're closer to that when we want to be, and I don't, you know, I don't disagree. But ultimately, the purpose for some of the stuff that's going on is for our protection. Do you remember back in the late 70s? Seatbelts. How many of you here drove tonight? How many of you here did not wear a seatbelt on the way in? In the early 70s, seatbelts were not mandatory. By the time I started to drive in around 1978, 79, certainly by 1980, it was law. It was required. Nobody liked it at the time. I remember the discussions. They were crazy. I can't do this. They can't make me do that. Well, guess what? Ultimately, we're all wearing seatbelts. Why? Because people died not wearing them. So whose benefit was it for, ultimately? How many here in this room have not or ever been in an accident? Has anybody never been in an automobile accident as a passenger or driver? I can tell you firsthand, having been in more than I care to admit, right? Seatbelts work. I remember as a kid sitting on my dad's lap driving the car, and I remember bouncing my head off the dash when he put the brakes on all of a sudden. The seatbelt used to be his arm. He used to reach out and and, and grab the arm to, to stop us from hitting the window. But it happens so fast, you still hit, right? Do people still get injured with seatbelts? Yes. Do people still die wearing seatbelts? Sometimes, yes. Some cars have seatbelts and airbags. Why? Try and save lives. Do people still die? Yes. Do they work? Yes. Are they foolproof? No. Does this sound familiar? There are other things for which this applies. Don't automatically dismiss anything that we get as being good or bad. Make sure you know what you're talking to and make sure you're hearing from heaven. Because this we think we're in it now. Brothers, sisters, man, we ain't seen nothing yet. The Bible tells us what's coming. And that's before the tribulation. So let's get used to it. Let's get used to touching base with him. Let's get used to lifting one another up. Let's have rational discussions, not heated discussions, not bitterness, not offense. Let's not divide. The devil wants nothing more than to divide the church. Because if he can divide the church, we won't share the gospel. And if we did, nobody would want to come anyway because we're already divided. Look at this place. How many people should be here? How many people are here? Not as many as should be. There's lots of you out there. Out there. We should be here. Okay, so we got to be six feet apart. Okay. I'd rather be here six feet apart than not here. I'll tell you this too for nothing. And again. 
No, I won't. Thank you, Lord. That's my opinion. That's between God and me. I won't enforce or impose my opinion on you. I just finished preaching against that. Doesn't mean I can't articulate it, but this is not the avenue for it. So, you've just witnessed uh, 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 a manifestation of restraint. Seriously, I got lots I could say. I'm here, I got the mic on, I can stand up and say it. I don't want to dishonor the pulpit. I don't want to dishonor the privilege and the honor that I have. And I got a check in my spirit saying, no, don't. Well, praise God, I listened <laughs> for change. <laughs> God loves you so much. And, and, and I can say this with little reservation. We ain't done yet. It's not our time to go. So for my part, I will do my best to listen to him and adhere and obey to everything he tells me to the best of my ability. And I will encourage and aid and help you all do the same to the best of my ability. And if I see in a brother and a sister seeing what appears to be going astray, I can ask them, hey, are you sure? Did God really say? Because if you're not 100% sure, I would say, pause, wait, inquire. Let him show you the way. If, if we want wisdom, he says that we can ask and he will give it to us. And he won't chastise us for asking. He won't think less of us for asking. In fact, I think he'd be very happy. You are God's chosen. You are his beloved. You are just a wonderful group of people. Each and every one of you, here and out there. We all have our warts and flaws. But don't let each other get under each other's skin. Right? Let's do what the Word says. Encourage one another. Edify one another. Build one another up. Honor one another, especially those in leadership over us. And, and in the natural, that also means doing what they ask. And the difference between submission and obedience is that you do it whether you feel like it or not. You can have your opportunity to speak after. Unless it's contrary to the word of God, in which case you pray. You obey, pray that the Lord will open their eyes. That's how we deal with situations. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Well, I hope it wasn't too hard on you. I really did try to bring the word and not me. I know there was some of me in there, but I hope it's the word that sticks. Be encouraged. Love one another. I love you. Pastors, I honor you. I respect you. I submit. And thank you all for coming, and thank you for being here. And we're just going to declare a prayer. Father, I thank you that your word has gone forth.
I thank you that your word is truth and your word is life. And it is the manifestation in written form of your love. Thank you that your word finds its place in our heart. That your spirit will lead us and guide us in all truth. And that the word will be rightly divided. Not misinterpreted. Not twisted or contorted. But to bring forth the reflection of your will and purpose. Your leading and guidance. Thank you that each and every one within the sound of my voice is empowered by your Holy Spirit strengthened that Jesus, as you are in heaven, so are we in this world, that we are healed, that we are whole, that we hear the voice of the Father. We hear the voice of our shepherd and another we will not follow. Just because 999 other pigs are running down the hill doesn't mean we have to follow. Also, it doesn't mean that we can't do what we're told, can't do what we're asked. Show us the difference. It's your discernment that we need. We need to know your will for us. You need to show us, please, when we need to share and when we need to wear your word. Let us be ambassadors for you showing forth your glory, your love for each and every one around us. Thank you, Lord, that we go forth healed and whole in peace, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.